the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. And so for all of us, the question should always be, Lord, what do you want me to do? I've got my desires. I've got my wants. I've got my longings. But Lord, what do you want? And Jacob stops here to ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? You want me to go down to Egypt? You want me to stay here? And notice what God says to Jacob in verse 2. Then God spoke to Israel. Notice he calls him Israel, which means governed by God. And the fact that he stops and makes this offering and seeks the Lord shows that his life is governed by God. Don't you hate to stop and ask for directions, especially when you're late or really want to get somewhere? Well, Pastor Dan shares that we should always stop and pray and ask God for guidance and direction. Even when you think you're doing the right thing and going in the right direction, you should turn to God so you can align yourself with his plans and purposes. Because as you know, it's frustrating getting lost when all you needed to do was stop and ask. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Genesis chapter 46 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Genesis 46, beginning in verse 1. So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. And then God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. And so he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make of you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt. And I will also surely bring you up again. And Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. And then Jacob arose from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried their father Jacob, their little ones, and their wives, and the carts which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. And so they took their livestock and their goods, which they had acquired in the land of Canaan, and went to Egypt. Jacob and all his descendants with him, his sons and his sons' sons, his daughters and his sons' daughters, and all his descendants he brought with him to Egypt. Now these were the names of the children of Israel, Jacob and his sons who went to Egypt. And we're not going to read through this list of names. (laughs) Uh, So you can skip down to verse 26. We're going to cover a lot of territory today. Verse 26, And all the persons who went with Jacob to Egypt, who came from his body besides Jacob's sons' wives, were 66 persons in all. And the sons of Joseph who were born to him in Egypt were two persons. All the persons of the house of Jacob who went to Egypt were 70. And then he sent Judah before him to Joseph to point out before him the way to Goshen. And they came to the land of Goshen. And so Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel. And he presented himself to him. And he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. And Israel said to Joseph, now let me die, 
since I have seen your face, because you are still alive. And then Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and say to him, my brothers and those of my father's house who were in the land of Canaan have come to me, and the men are shepherds, for their occupation has been to feed livestock, and they have brought their flocks, their herds, and all that they have. And so it shall be when Pharaoh calls you and says, what is your occupation? That you shall say your servant's occupation has been with livestock from our youth even till now, both we and also our fathers, that you may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We, we thank you for just this beautiful chapter in this reunion between Jacob and Joseph. And Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher today. And Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to your word this morning and speak to each of us. Lord, I pray that your spirit would be upon me this morning to teach your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So in chapter 45, Jacob was told by his sons that his son Joseph was still alive uh, and that he was governor over all the land of Egypt and that Joseph wanted his father and his family to come down to the land of Egypt uh, so Joseph could take care of them during this famine that was in the land. And so Jacob and all of his family uh, left the land of Canaan and headed down to Egypt. Now at this time, Jacob and his family, they were living in the city of Hebron, or Hebron. And he took his journey from Hebron with all that he had. But when he gets to Beersheba, he stops. He stops in Beersheba. Now, now Beersheba was the southernmost town in the land of Canaan on the way down to Egypt. It's kind of like the last stop before leaving the land of Canaan. In fact, there's a phrase that you read several times in the Bible, from Dan to Beersheba. Dan was the northernmost town in the land of Israel. Beersheba is the southernmost town. And so it's kind of like saying from Maine to Florida, from sea to shining sea kind of thing. Now, why does Jacob stop in Beersheba? You know, put yourself in Jacob's sandals for a moment. He's just learned that his son is alive after believing for 22 years that he was dead. He's heading to Egypt to be reunited with his son. If it's me, we're not stopping anywhere. We're not stopping for the bathroom. We're going to go to, we're going to get to Egypt. We're not stopping at all. We're just going to get there. I've got to see my son. But Jacob stops in Beersheba. And it wasn't a quick stop. It wasn't just like, we're going to get some gas and get back on the road. It was a long stop. Look at verse 1. Verse 1 says, Jacob offered a sacrifice to the God of his father, Isaac. That took a while. He's got to build an altar of some kind. He's got to kill an animal. He's got to butcher the animal. He's got to roast the animal over a fire. This is a long stop in Beersheba. And oh, by the way, Beersheba is only like 25 miles from Hebron. He hasn't traveled very far at at all, and he still has a long way to go to get to Egypt. I mean, this is, you know, Smokey and the Bandit here. You've got a long way to go and a short time to get there, and he needs to get back on the road, but he stops. And when my family travels, I like to just get to the destination. (laughs) 
I don't, I don't want to stop anywhere. Let's go through the drive-thru and just get back on, on, on the road. Stopping to offer a sacrifice. I mean, that's like going into a sit-down restaurant with a waiter and a menu. And we're going to lose so much time. So why does Jacob do this? Well, a couple reasons. Beersheba was a significant place in Jacob's family. His grandfather, Abraham, who first came to the land from Ur of the Chaldees, and his father, Isaac, lived in Beersheba at at different times. His families lived there. Some of you may remember in chapter 21 that Abraham planted a tamarisk tree. And he planted that tamarisk tree in Beersheba and called on the Lord. Uh, When we were in chapter 21, I, I mentioned that the tamarisk tree uh, its only use is for shade in the, in the desert, and it grows very, very slowly. So when a person in the Middle East plants a tamarisk tree, it's, it's not for themselves. They're not going to live long enough to enjoy the shade of that tree. They actually plant the tree for their grandchildren to enjoy the shade of that tree. And here is Abraham's grandson now, and Beersheba, maybe enjoying the shade of the tree that his grandpa planted Many, many years before, Jacob's father Isaac, we're told, also built an altar in Beersheba and called upon the name of the Lord. And the Lord appeared to Isaac in Beersheba back in chapter 26. Perhaps Jacob sacrificed his offering on that same altar that his father built. So Beersheba was significant in the spiritual history of Jacob's family, just just as there may be significant things or significant places in your spiritual life or in the spiritual history of your family. Maybe you have, you know, your grandfather's Bible that has his notations and his highlights in it. What a treasure that would be. Uh, Or maybe there's a there's a church where your your mom or your dad uh, committed their lives to Christ as as a child uh, and and. They were saved, and and so that that church is a special place and is part of your spiritual heritage. And so Beersheba was part of Jacob's spiritual heritage, but we still haven't answered the question, why did Jacob make such a long stop in Beersheba and sacrifice an offering to the Lord? I believe Jacob wants to make sure going to Egypt is God's will for him, that this is the right move. Now, obviously, it would have been better for Jacob to pray before he left for Egypt, but it's better late than never, right? Even if you get out ahead of the Lord, you can stop and say, you know, we didn't pray. We didn't ask the Lord if this is what he wants. Let's just stop and and pray and seek the Lord for, for guidance. I'm sure Jacob was excited to hear the news about his son, Joseph, and he didn't think to pray and ask God, should he go down to Egypt or not? He probably just started packing up and let's go and went. But when he gets to Beersheba, he gets 25 miles down the road from home. He pulls over. He stops and he prays to seek the Lord for guidance. You know, Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding In all your ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Now, Jacob started this journey leaning on his own understanding. We've got to go to Egypt. I've got to see my son. But now he stops to acknowledge God and to allow the Lord to direct his path. 
And notice here, if you're a note taker, notice Jacob offers a sacrifice. That's an important detail that we're told. By offering a sacrifice to God, Jacob was revealing that he knew himself to be a sinner in need of pardon from God. Every time the patriarchs made a sacrifice, they were acknowledging they were sinners in need of forgiveness. We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m., I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. Just as we all sin, right? We all fall short. Uh, All we like sheep go astray. We all turn to our own way. At, at times, and we all need God's forgiveness. And God's forgiveness comes through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And now, by stopping at this point, just before he leaves the land of Canaan, sacrifice and offering to the Lord and seeking the Lord for guidance, Jacob was essentially saying, Lord, of, of, of course I want to go down to Egypt. Lord, of course, the desire of of my heart, the longing of my heart is to see my son again. But Lord, if you don't want me to go, I won't go. If you want me to turn around and go back, go home, I will. Jacob is a powerful example to us of a life that is fully surrendered to God. An example of a crucified life, an example of denying self and taking up your cross. Just the fact that he would stop and ask God, should he go see his son or not? How many of us wouldn't even bother to pray about something like this? Well, of course, we're going to go to Egypt. I don't need to pray about that. Of course, God wants me to go see my son after 22 years. How many of us would turn around and go home if God said, I don't want you to go to Egypt. I want you to stay here in the land of Canaan. What Jacob does reminds me of Jesus's prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. Jesus didn't want to be crucified. He didn't want to drink the cup of the father's wrath. For our sin, he didn't want to be separated from the Father, but he submitted to the Father's will over his own will. Not my will, but your will be done. Philippians chapter 2 says, Jesus was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, the worst possible death. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, it says to us as, as believers, listen, it says, don't you know that you're not your own? Don't you know that you're not your own? Your life is not your own, that you've been bought with a price? Your life has been purchased. You belong to Jesus Christ. You've been purchased with the blood of Jesus. 
You belong to him now. Your life belongs to him. He is our Lord, Jesus Christ. He's our master. And so for all of us, the question should always be, Lord, what do you want me to do? I've got my desires. I've got my wants. I've got my longings. But Lord, what do you want? And Jacob stops here to ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? You want me to go down to Egypt? You want me to stay here? And notice what God says to Jacob in verse 2. Then God spoke to Israel. Notice he calls him Israel, which means governed by God. And the fact that he stops and makes this offering and seeks the Lord shows that his life is governed by God. In the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. So he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make of you a great nation. There, I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will surely bring you up again, and Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. God says to Jacob, I am God. I am the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt. Now, what does that tell us? It tells us Jacob was afraid to go down to Egypt, that he was, he was, uh, was second-guessing second his decision. He had second thoughts about leaving Canaan and going down to Egypt. Well, why? What's he afraid of? Well, again, God says, I am the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt. And, and he makes a point of telling him, I'm, I'm the God of your father, Isaac. Now, to get the context of this, we've got to turn back to chapter 26. So if you want to turn back in your Bible to the left, chapter 26. And this is, this is during the time of his father, Isaac's life. Chapter 26, verse 1, it says, there was a famine in the land. There's a famine in the land of Canaan, just as there's a famine in the land during Jacob's time. Besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. Remember, there was a famine in the land of, in the time of Abraham as well. And Abraham went down to Egypt. And remember, as they're approaching Egypt, Abraham said to his wife, Sarah, hey, do me a favor. Tell them that you're my sister, not my wife, that we're not married. And the whole thing was a disaster for Abraham. Almost cost him his marriage and his family, his life. So going down to Egypt didn't work out so well for Grandpa Abraham. Now it's his, the time of his father, Isaac, and there's another famine in the land. Besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham, and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, and Gerar, verse 2, then the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you, dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you, for to you and your descendants, I will give all these lands and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father, and I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. And I will give to your descendants all these lands and in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. So there was a famine in the land of Canaan in the days of Jacob's father, Isaac, and the Lord appeared to his father, Isaac, and explicitly told him, do not go down to Egypt. But stay in the land of Canaan. And God promised to take care of Isaac in the land of Canaan during the famine. And promised to bless Isaac and multiply him. Make a great nation of him. And give him the land of Canaan. The blessing for Isaac was in Canaan, not Egypt. And so Jacob now, he takes off, you know, driven by his emotion to see his son again. He gets, he gets to the border. He says, wait a minute. Maybe going down to Egypt isn't God's will. And so Jacob was afraid to leave Canaan and to go down 
to Egypt. You can turn back to chapter 46. And, and here, here's the thing. Give me your attention. Jacob does not want his desire to be reunited with his son to put him in a place of disobedience with God. He does not want his desire to be reunited with his son to put him in a place of disobedience with God. Being in God's will was more important to Jacob than seeing his son again. Isn't that something? There is nothing more important than being in God's will. We shouldn't follow our own desires if they put us in a place of disobedience to God. Yeah, but I really want this. Yes, it's the longing of my heart. I've desired this for so long. 22 years I've wanted this. Yeah, but will it put you in the place of disobedience? Is it God's will for you? Is it outside of God's will? And so back now in chapter 46, God reassures Jacob. By saying, I'm the God of your father. I I know what I said to your father Isaac about Egypt. Don't be afraid to go down to Egypt. You know, the most repeated statement that God makes in the Bible, don't be afraid. What does that tell us? We're fearful, aren't we? We're easily afraid. God says, don't be afraid. And then he says, I will make of you a great nation there. Repeating the promise that he made to Abraham and then to Isaac. In other words, the covenant will still be in effect in Egypt. I'll keep my covenant with you, even though you're going down to Egypt. God's God's plan all along was to make a great nation of Israel in the land of Egypt. And then just as he says, and then bring them back up into the land of of Canaan as a nation. Now, now right now, at at this point, Israel is, is a family. They're not a nation. And they're not even really a very large family. You look over in verse 27. Jacob's entire family numbers only 70 people. It's, you know, Abraham came into the land more than 200 years before. And God told Abraham, I'm going to make of you a great nation. Your descendants are going to be like the stars in the sky and the sand on the, uh, on the seashore. And, and 200 years later, there's only 70 people in the family. That's not much. I, you know, I, I count it. I have a lot of brothers and sisters. And just in my immediate family, brothers, sisters, their spouses, their kids, great. There's 57 people in my family. And so that's not many. And we know that God's going to take like another 400 years to finally make them into a great nation. Listen, the promises of God are trustworthy. But sometimes the timing of God is slower than we would like. Have you noticed that? <laughs> right? That he's, he's not on your schedule or my schedule. He's kind of on his own schedule. And so a small family will go down to Egypt. And while they're in Egypt, God will make them a great nation there. And then God will bring them back out of Egypt. If you turn with me over to Exodus chapter 1, because this is really setting the stage for the book of Exodus. Uh, Exodus chapter 1, it says... Now, in verse 1, now these are the names of the children of Israel who came to Egypt. Each man in his household came with Jacob, and it lists the names there of his sons in verses 2 through 4. Verse 5 says, and all those who were descendants of Jacob were 70 persons, for Joseph was in Egypt already. And Joseph died, all his brothers and all that generation. But the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, multiplied 
and grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them, the land of Egypt. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. We're so glad you tuned in to hear today's edition of Ring of Truth. Pastor Dan is continuing to teach through the book of Genesis, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. If you'd like to hear this message again, or to listen to additional teachings from Pastor Dan, you're welcome to visit our website at calvaryec.com. Once there, you can listen to or download a wide range of previous broadcasts. Otherwise, simply subscribe to our podcast. Our podcasts provide you with up-to-date teachings through the Bible and can be taken with you wherever you might be. This can be advantageous for those who are on the go much of the time. You'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast at our website, calvaryec.com, or just search for Ring of Truth in iTunes. We'd love to hear how Ring of Truth has had an impact on your life, so please let us know by giving us a call at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. We'd also really like to know how we can be praying for you. So when you call, don't be afraid to share your prayer requests with us. We'd be happy to pray with you and for you. Ring of Truth is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. We hope you'll make sure to join us again as Pastor Dan continues teaching in this series through the book of Genesis. We look forward to the next edition of Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that crack. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.